We're going to be in John chapter 15 this morning, if you want to turn there. We've sort of said it uh, a number of times, maybe in a roundabout way, but it, it's implied, but it's also a, a fact we should acknowledge that we have spiritual fathers in our life that are not just our physical, earthly fathers. And if you're here today and you do not have a great relationship with a physical father, uh, you certainly have spiritual fathers in your life, or you can. And the church is a place to find that. We should have that at church. And you'll find that among the men that walk with God, that are further down the journey than you are, and who are willing to bring you along in that journey. That's who you look to be with. That's who you want to spend time with. Whether you're a, a younger man or a younger lady today. Um, well, frankly, in years you might be older than some. But they have something to offer spiritually. So we need that guidance in our life. And the role of fatherhood is, uh, is, is certainly one that, well, it's, it's, it's tricky. I came across a story I just want to share to, as we open today. Uh, this was, comes from Morgan Snyder's book, Becoming a King. He said, years ago I came across a very revealing story of a nun who worked in a men's prison. One year she brought some Mother's Day cards to distribute to any prisoners who were interested in sending cards to their moms. Word spread and requests for cards began pouring in. The demand was so great that she reached out to Hallmark to see if they'd be willing to donate extra boxes of cards. With Father's Day quickly approaching, the nun got to work securing sufficient boxes of Father's Day cards, and the warden announced a free giveaway to all who were interested in sending a Father's Day card. Not a single prisoner asked for one. Now, I just let that set for just a moment in your heart, and what does that say? It, it's... I. It says something about motherhood, doesn't it? Because I promise you that every one of those prisoners didn't have the greatest mothers either. Some of them had awful mothers, but yet they still were compelled to send mom a card. There's something in that relationship that's almost just designed to be, I mean, just it's almost difficult to break that. But boy, that relationship between fathers and their children is difficult to make happen. And if you think about that, how, how, how real that is, fathers, we, we must work at this. And it doesn't matter how old you are, how old your children are, that work continues. And you may be here today and not have been a great father in your life. I know every, every father here has some regrets, but you can start today. You can redeem the time and you can begin to be what you ought to be right now. Now, it's going to take the help of the Lord, and what I have to preach this morning will certainly give that help. And so, um, we're going to be looking here in John chapter 15, and I want to just make the statement to connect why I shared that story, uh, mainly because I saw it this morning and I thought it was impactful, but also it, it, it leads into this and in that I want to say that life in Christ makes everything better and it makes us better in every way. And so, just in terms of fathers and being a good father, uh, if you want to get that right, it's going to start with learning what life in Christ is. Not just the Christian life. The Christian life has hurt a lot of children. A lot of children have been broken over their daddy's Christian life. But life in Christ won't hurt anybody. It'll help everybody, and that's what we want. So... Uh, John 15, verse number 1, I am the true vine, 
and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. It's worth stating here that this is Jesus beginning to summarize what he has been teaching the disciples on this last night that they have together. They've left the upper room where they had the Passover and the Lord's Supper, and they are making their journey to Gethsemane, and then he will be taken on to Calvary. And so really this is the summary of everything that he's been teaching for these three years that they've been with him. Which is why he says, you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now stay with that. Abide. Don't leave that. This is what's got you right. It's what will keep you right. And it's very important what he says. But this statement, abide in me, I, I believe that a case could be made that this command of Jesus, it's one of the most familiar statements that he makes, but it is certainly one of the most underappreciated statements. We all know that Jesus said, abide in me, but I think how little we may understand the practicality of this, of what it looks like in my day-to-day -day life. I began to think about this myself a couple of days ago. What does it mean in a practical way to abide in Jesus? It's another one of those things that when we say it, it sounds good, and it sounds like something that you would put on a card, but what does it actually mean? What does it look like? How do we actually do this? And what brought me to this was the reminder of how desperately I need union with God in my life. Every day of my life, every moment of my life. Because in this world, on the outside of us, we're surrounded by so many distractions. And then from within us comes these evil desires that belong to that old carnal man. The old Adam nature inside of us. And when that inner carnality meets with worldly opportunity... Nothing good can come from that. And so I desperately need to be in union with Christ. Now here's the plain fact of the matter. Something I know about myself and I'm thankful for. I prefer life with God. I mean, I prefer to be close to Him. I love living that way. I find so much joy and peace in my life when I am with the Lord. But when I am distant from God, I find a lot of disappointment. I see that when I operate from the flesh, there may be seasons of pleasure and satisfaction. But those seasons are short and followed by emptiness and regret. And that is the common experience of every follower of Jesus Christ. When we are with God, when we are close to Him, we are full of joy and contentment. But when we are distant from God, life becomes very disappointing and very empty. So I want to know, how do I stay in Christ? 
What did Jesus mean when he said, abide in me? And now he's given us this very beautiful and clear illustration of what life with him is all about. He compares it to being a branch in the grapevine. And his words make it very clear that the main idea is that only by our constant connection to Jesus are we supplied and sustained with all the requirements of real life. We must be constantly connected with Him. Only by remaining intimately linked to Him can we live lives that are eternally significant and productive for the kingdom of God. And by the way, nothing else really matters. Jesus is not, in other words, a pit stop. Jesus is not a gas station in our week where we come in just to fill up the tank and then go back out and get at it again in the wonderful rat race of living in the world. So, in other words, Jesus is not just our Sunday thing. He is not, he will not, he cannot be that to anyone. And if that is Jesus in your life, that's a false Jesus. That's not real. And the relationship you have is with your own self-made image of Jesus, not the Jesus that the Father sent and that the Bible describes for us. Anyone who is not abiding in Jesus will have no part with Jesus. John 15, 6, he said, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now I want to be clear about this. Jesus is not speaking about losing salvation here. One who is not saved has never been in Jesus. But what is illustrated to the disciples that night and to us today is that when we are not abiding in Him, we lose our significance. We're not producing. We're not bringing forth the life and light of Christ in the world. And we're just like a dead branch that must be removed because it will not be allowed to stay and harm those branches that are producing. John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Watch this. For without me ye can do nothing. Nothing. You can do nothing without Jesus. Now we can stop and talk about that a while. Because there are a lot of people without Jesus today who have done a lot of things. They've built a lot of things. They've been successful in so many ways. And so what could Jesus mean that without me you can do nothing? He means you can do nothing of eternal significance apart from Him. You can accomplish so much in this world and be proud of yourself and put your name on your building and do all those things, but you will die and lose it all. You can do nothing that matters without Christ. Nothing. And those words that Jesus said, they're the opposite of what Paul is telling us, or, or rather Paul is giving us the other uh, side of that when he says in Philippians 4.13, But I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now I only want to do what Christ wants me to do. And I want to do that well, and I can do that well, because it is Christ that strengthens me. And I praise the Lord and thank God that He has saved my life from eternal destruction. I'm glad for that, but friends, I want more in my life. I want my life to count for the glory of God. 
I want to live in such a way that the one who saved me receives all the honor and the glory and the praise that I can possibly produce for him. And there is but one way for that to happen. Verse 7 and 8, Jesus said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. This is the mark of true discipleship and true followership in Jesus. And that, friends, is my heart's desire. That's my life's purpose. And only by abiding in Jesus can I live a life of true significance in which I am loving God and loving others from a true heart and bringing forth fruit that remains. As he says in verse 16 of the chapter, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. This is the life that I want, and it's the life that he's chosen for me. And if you are a follower of Christ today, this is the life that he's chosen for you. Now there's a wonderful circle of significance in this passage and I really wrestled and struggled over a little bit the the right words to use the right way to explain what it is that I'm trying to say but we see that that Jesus is showing us something in this chapter and while I've mentioned a lot about abiding we've also read those verses about bearing fruit and bearing much fruit and more fruit and fruit that remains and so I see that abiding is what leads to abounding And that's part of the circle. The abundance of much fruit. And the abundance leads to or is part of what I've called alignment. We in Jesus, Jesus in the Father, and so we are in the Father because we are in Jesus. That's the alignment. And the alignment secures the abiding. I can't abide because I am in God. And so it's like a circle of a faith-filled and fruitful life that, that we want to live in. I want to be in that circle of life. The word abide is a good word. It's rich in description. It's the word meno. It is used to express relationship. It means to stay there or to continue with. It means to dwell with, to be present to, to remain. So Jesus is telling us that just as a branch is securely and dependently a living extension of the vine, so must our lives be of His. Because the branches have no life of their own. It's the vine that is rooted in the soil. And if you wonder about the independence, the reality of how the branch and the vine The vine is the one that actually supplies and keeps everything going. You can cut branches off the vine and the vine survives. But you cut the branch off the vine, the branch cannot survive. And so we have to be rooted in the one that's rooted in. (laughs) The branches have no soil. The vine is rooted in the soil. The vine draws up the water. The vine supplies the nutrients which will ultimately produce the grapes. So then I asked again this question in my heart, how do I actually abide in Jesus as a branch in the vine? 
Because I want my life to be full and fruitful of the right things and holy things and God-honoring things. Because this is the one true life and every other life so-called is just a facade of life. It's not real. Jesus says in John chapter 17, in verse 2 and 3, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the true, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Jesus said in his prayer to the Father, There's only one real life. There's only one true life. And that is a life to know God and to know Jesus, His Son. Everything else is just a a smokescreen. Now, I know this about abiding in Jesus. I want this to be practical this morning. I believe that's the intent that God has in us looking at this. And, And so I wrote down just a few things I'd like to say to you. I know that abiding in Jesus, it is a conscious thing. It is a conscious thing. And what I mean is it is the result of a deliberate awareness and intentional desire and action to keep me in His presence and in His strength. There are certain practices which I must be attending to in my life if I am to remain in Christ as a branch in the vine, if I am to receive fruit-producing strength, it is a conscious thing. It is not something that's just going to happen because I rolled out of bed this morning. It's not just going to happen because I plopped down in church today. It is a conscious thing. There must be deliberate awareness and intentional desire and action in my life if I'm to abide in Christ. Then I want to tell you that it is a constant thing. It is a constant thing. Again, it's not an in a while, out a while thing. That will not work. Look at your life today. Look at what you would call your Christian life or what you would call your your religious or spiritual life and, and ask yourself, am I consistent or am I erratic? Some people are up for a season and then down for a season, but I want you to know something. Fickle is not faithful. They're not the same thing. And the very word itself, abide, it means to remain, to persist, to stay there. What about when I don't feel like it? Stay there. What about when I have other opportunities? Remain there with Christ. Nothing belongs in my life. That is not something for which Christ can be a part of and be honored in. And that's a constant battle to to weed out and cut away those things in my life. It's a constant thing. And then I want to say this is very important. Straight from the text, it is a community thing. It is a community thing. This, This follows the constancy part because i got to tell you, I know it was true three, four, five years ago, but it's more true than I've ever seen it. How easily people will forsake the church or only do church a certain day or a certain time. But this is a community thing, this thing of abiding in Christ. You cannot abide in Christ without me. I cannot abide in Christ without you. You see, Jesus in the the verses here, he says, 
Every branch, verse 2, and every branch, that's an individual thing. But look at verse number 4. Abide in me and I in you, that's an individual thing. As the branch, an individual cannot bear fruit of itself except to abide in the vine. Now watch the shift. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. That's plural. Now he's saying to the entire group, you all must abide. You all are branches of the vine. And this is a community thing here. I want to stress to you the essential role of the community life with your brothers and sisters in the church. For example, I understand that there are branches on a vine that are solid and secure branches, but they do not produce grapes. They're good branches, healthy branches, but they do not produce grapes. Now, I don't have experience with this at all. We had a grapevine growing up in the backyard when I was a little boy, and I don't remember much anything about it. But I understand there are branches that grow that are good and strong and solid, and they're secure in the vine, and yet they do not produce grapes. Will those branches be cut away? Will the husbandman cut them off? Well, if we think of producing fruit in terms of a life that is generating benefits that may not produce grapes, but they produce other benefits, then that's a fruitful life. For, for what I'm saying, on this vine, these branches that are strong and secure and they have vibrant leaves and, and they're growing, but they may not produce grapes, the husbandman, husbandman does not cut those off because they provide other things. They provide shade. They pr produce carbon, uh, which benefits all the other branches and the vine itself. And so they're productive in their life, even though they may not have the lush grapes hanging from them. You see, we don't measure our success always by looking at other people and saying, well, I can't do what they can do, and they can't do what I can do. We gauge our success by how connected we are with the vine. And I promise you that you may not be a grape producer, but I need the shade you offer. And I may not be a, a, a shady kind of guy. I'm not. But I might need the grapes you have. And together we're producing something that brings glory to the husbandman, the vine dresser, the father, glorified by us together. We need the community to do this. Because without those branches... The vine and the other branches will not be as strong. It's a community thing, but it is also a content thing. A content thing. And what I mean by this is to say that there are certain helps and certain supports which aid us in our abiding in Jesus. And it's one thing to say, do this, but it helps when we learn that there are practical ways to do this and useful tools to make this life in Christ truly possible and attainable. So with these things in mind, again, the question is, how do we actually abide in Jesus as a branch in the vine? And, and here's what I want to say. I want to emphasize that we do this from within to without. And that's, that's not an unimportant statement. Because much of what we sometimes have people have adopted in their life when it comes to Christianity is an outward 
hoping to change the inward, but it never works. There are people that, that are really polished outwardly. But because they have no true life inwardly, they're actually a drain on the soul of God's people. I don't know how many times in the last few weeks I've, this passage has been brought to my attention. I don't even remember the reference. But uh, it, it's, the, it's when Jesus goes into the house of the Pharisee to eat. And they're, they're all gathering around the table, but Jesus walks by and does not wash his hands. He goes straight to the table and sits down. Perhaps even picks up a bite of something and, and prepares to begin having a little appetizer. He walked into the Harbor Inn for men's fellowship and went straight to popping hush puppies. And the Pharisee, the host, looks at him. Doesn't say anything, but Jesus knows what he's thinking. And Jesus doesn't offer any kind of apology. He doesn't say, excuse me. He doesn't say, man, I was so famished, I just had to get something. You know what he goes to right out, I mean, the first thing out of his mouth. You see, you hypocrites. You're all concerned about cleaning up on the outside, looking good on the outside, but inside you're full of death and rotten decay. Now that might shake up your impression of Jesus a little bit. Sometimes Jesus picked fights with religion that was damning people to hell. And he still does, by the way. I want us to understand it's from within to without. We first abide with Jesus from the heart, from the new heart that he has given us, and then from that heart which is powered fully by him. It is the Spirit of God in us that energizes and gives life to that heart. But from that heart, then, it moves to our soul. Our conscious being, our thoughts, our feelings, our desires. We're talking about abiding in Jesus. And from there, we move to abiding in actual physical practices of the body. We learn to use our eyes and our ears and our tongues and our hands and our feet to abide in Jesus. We use them in ways that demonstrate an abiding in the presence of Christ. Now, I'm not going to try to develop any of this very much because I know the hour is late, but I want you to write these things down. You will be able to think on these things yourself and see how they will unfold and how they apply in your life. So a, a very quick list of some practical things. How do I abide in Christ? And I wrote these down about two days ago in my journal. Just wrote a list out. How do I abide in Christ? How, not, not like tell me how, like I looked at my life, I said, how do I abide in Christ? How am I doing this? And here's what I wrote down. I abide through love of Jesus. I abide through love of Jesus. Loving Jesus in real ways. Do you love Jesus? How do you love him? Why do you love him? And then, have you told him Today, that you love Him. Not metaphorically. Not, well, I came to church, but have you told Christ you love Him today? And have you told Him why? Miss Penny sings the song, Did I mention that I love Him? Now, a little heads up. It's amazing how we have this ability to project and tell the future, Miss Penny, around here. I... I, I 
predict that tomorrow's radio broadcast will have me giving a much more condensed version of this message and Miss Penny will be singing, Did I mention that I love him? And I wasn't thinking about this until the song played through, but at the end of it, it was, she sang it here, and she says at the end, I hope you've told him today. I always enjoy that part. And it fits so well to this. I abide in Jesus by loving Jesus. Now we don't have time to develop that. Let me give you the second thing. I abide by my thoughts of Jesus. By thinking of Him. When I think of Him, I am abiding in Him. Now, we have to ask ourselves, how often do you think of Him in your day? Do you think of Him regularly? Is there an hour that passes that your thoughts are not brought back to Him? That's not acceptable. Why is it not acceptable? Because you need that. And that's where the fruit production comes from. Oh, there, there are times. There are times. This past week, I remember, I don't remember what day it was, I don't even remember the occasion, but I remember having the thought, wow, Lord, I've been too busy in the last couple of hours or so. I hadn't even thought about you. I don't want to live that way. I want to think of him. And we need to grow in this life dominated by thoughts of God and of Jesus and of the Spirit. What dominates your thoughts? There are some things that need to be cut out. And we need to consciously, with intentionality, think on these things. Think on Jesus. Number three, I abide through my desire for Jesus. You see, I want to know Him more. I want to obey Him in my daily life. What is your great desire this morning? Think about the things you long for, the things you wish for, the things that you want to be true in your life. Are they Christ-centered? Do they have to do with Jesus? Because that's the way you abide in Jesus, through your desire for Jesus. And then, number four, I abide in my words for Jesus. My words for Jesus. When I speak to Him, I'm abiding in Him. When I say, oh Lord, I don't know what to do with this. Or when, yesterday, oh, time out, I'm going to insert this, this goes right here. I thought when I walked out this morning to come to the church, I complained last week about the weather. I'm going to give God some glory for this great gift he's given us the last two days. Wasn't it beautiful? That's weird when, uh, you know, there's moments where you're like in the middle of all we've been going through and you walk outside, like, well, it's a little cool out here this morning. That's a blessing. I just want to thank the Lord for that. But I was driving home yesterday or Friday. I think it was Friday, whenever it was. I was driving home and... And uh, I noticed how beautiful and blue the sky was. And how wonderful the breeze was. You know, and, and so I say, Lord, I sure thank you for that. And I'm sure glad that I get to enjoy this with you, you see. Those are thoughts of him and words spoken to him. But not just the words spoken to him, words spoken about him to others. This is how we abide in him. Just write down Malachi 3.16 and go read it later. I referenced that not long ago, but that's the one that tells us about God's journaling. How that those that loved Him would often come together and speak of Him and a, a record was kept of all that they would say. Number five, I abide by my devotions with Jesus. And I use that term in the way that we mostly think of it. 
When I go to my specific times of prayer and reading and meditation, I abide in Jesus. These are life-sustaining hours. And Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. And if you abide in me, my words abide in you. And then write this one down, I abide by doing all things with Jesus. In other words, I live my life as with Him at all times. I practice the presence of Jesus in my life through everything. Everything already mentioned, but with a deliberate consciousness that He is with me through the Spirit at all times. The Spirit, the Comforter, brings the presence of Jesus into my life at all times. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, Matthew 28 and verse 20. Now it is the abiding which leads to abounding. And I must really cut this down to close. So let me just simply say, His interest in abiding is so that we can produce fruit. And the Father's glorified when we produce this fruit. Jesus was never about the mediocre. Jesus was always after the fullest, deepest, richest life. His desire for every one of his disciples is that they would live the same way. That's why he said in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And so to abound to means to increase in something, to become more of something. It means bringing forth much fruit, as verse 2 of our text tells us. And so we must ask, what is the fruit which we are to bring forth and abound in? And most often people begin to think in terms of quantity or quantifiable things, like how many converts we've had, how many new church members, how, how, what the attendance numbers look like, how many services have been rendered, and how many tracts have been distributed. And we think in terms of, this is fruit being produced in my life. Are these the fruit that Jesus wants to produce? Are these the much fruit which glorify the Father? Well, certainly these things done in the right spirit and the right motive bring glory to God. But I would tell you this morning that they are secondary or they are the byproduct to the true fruit that Jesus himself speaks of in this chapter and of the numerous other fruits that are mentioned throughout the epistles that there's absolutely no time to, to touch today. But just write, these, just write this list down. This is the fruit Jesus mentions in John 15. And I have shared these things with you before. It's not new, but we needed to hear it again. What is the fruit that Jesus says will be produced in our life when we abide in Him? If it's not how many people we led to Christ, if it's not how many tracts we gave out this week, if it's not how many new people have joined our Sunday school class, then what is it? Verse 7, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. It's the fruit of answered prayer. The fruit of answered prayer. Verse 9, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. It's the fruit of love. You can go back to chapter 14 and verse 27. There at the very end, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It's the fruit of peace. This is only produced in our life by our abiding in Christ. 
Verse 11 of our text, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. It's to abound in the fruit of joy. When are you joyful? When are you really joyful? I'll tell you, you're only joyful when you are seeing life and experiencing life through the lens of Christ. That's it. There's no other joy. Verse 9 and 10 tell us, and I will add verse 14 and 15 because we read the others. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. It is to abound in the fruit of obedience. 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 Now, do you see why people coming to Christ and new members joining the church would be the byproduct of this fruit you can have all those number things without this fruit and it will be dead and it will be mean and it will be contentious and it will be competitive but when we are in Christ and this fruit is being produced in our life that stuff begins to dwindle away and the real comes the fruit that remains comes this is what we need and so, this morning, I will close by saying uh, that the abiding that leads to abounding and then the abounding which is indissolubly linked to alignment with God, union. I am one with God. And in chapter 17, I won't go there, but in chapter 17 when Jesus prays, he says that they may be one as we are one. They in me and I in you. And what Jesus prays for there is not that me and Brother Randy and Miss Kathy and Brother Eddie would, would be one. But that me and Brother Eddie and Miss Kathy and Brother Randy would be one with him. And when we're one with him, we will be one with each other. But we will be one with him. And then through Him we are one with the Father and there is union with God. And this is the greatest fruit of all. To be one with God. To live in such a way that these verses come alive in our daily life that we truly can ask and He gives. That we can do greater things than He did. I don't want to scare you. I've reached a point in my life, life where I'm reading things in the Bible and I'm thinking, well, I read in Acts last night. Last night I was reading where Peter went into that room and, and Tabitha was dead and took her by the hand and raised her up. Now you're going to think I'm crazy. But I said, Lord, am I meant to have that kind of power and fruit in my life? And I'm just reaching a point in my life where I believe there's so much more. Now, I'm not there yet. And that might not be what he wants from me. But I'm just saying I want to be one with him. I want to be one with him. As I tell you, it's greater than sometimes raising somebody from the dead. Maybe somebody that, like Lazarus who could already been with the Lord. But the greater work might have been 
what it did for the hearts of the people that saw it. And a greater work may be to rescue a soul that's spiraling out of control and, and you can step in with the fruit of love and joy and peace and you can be a part of that redemption that God is bringing in their life. That's a great work and that comes from union with God.